and one wife. And more than that, Hannah was barren. At the time, to be childless was not a choice, it was a curse. At the time, to be childless was not a choice, but a curse. People look down upon you as if you are unworthy. Uh, she didn't have any children. And therefore, the other wives would have mocked her, ridiculed her, dismissed her because she was barren. Imagine living in a society like that. You are an outcast and treated as if you are some kind of second-class citizen. This morning, I want to admonish you of who I believe is an example of a missionary uh, mother called Hannah. Notice firstly her priority. If one is to be, if, one, uh, if any of us are to be missionaries in our own right, in our God-given area of service, we need to have our priorities right. The desire and Hannah's priority was that she would have a child. Verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul. She vowed a vow, a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child. Let's just stop there for a moment. A man child. Hannah prayed, Lord, please, if it is thy will, if thou wilt indeed, please give me a child. Not just a child, but a boy child. Can I say to you this morning, notice two things in this prayer of Hannah. Notice firstly her submission to God's will. Can I say to you ladies this morning, if you are to be a mother, and if you are to have a child, it will be because of God's will, not your will. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lord, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. His reward. Children are the Lord's reward. They are meant to be a blessing and not a burden. I am saddened that in this our time, babies or children are looked upon as burdens rather than blessings. An inconvenience, a hindrance, a cost. I'm deeply sorrowful even when babies are murdered in their mother's womb. What a tragedy! When the womb of a mother, which is supposed to be the safest place for a baby, is now the same womb who is, uh, which is the scene of a crime by way of abortion. If you are here or there listening and watching, you would have, then you would love to have a child. A child from the Lord. But for some reason you cannot. I can only encourage you. To trust the Lord in His sovereign will. Trust Him for He knows what He is doing. And on the authority of God's word this morning I say to you, He hears your prayers. 
And he sees your pain. And he in his wisdom knows what is best. But then again, I am not your judge. The Lord is and will be. But if you're here, and if you're out there, and you refuse to have a child, because you want more of this world, you want more freedom, you want more of the things that this world offers. You do not want the responsibility of rearing and raising a child. On the authority of God's word, I say to you, you are missing one of the greatest blessings that the Lord can give to you as a woman. The blessing and yes, the burden of motherhood. Motherhood not within yourself, but for the Lord. But pastor, I may have to quit my job. We may have to do with one car. We may not be able to afford to buy a, a, the house that we want. We may, may, we may not be able to go on expensive and luxurious holidays anymore. Pastor, if we have children, those children will make us poor. Listen to me. Children do not make you poor. They make you rich, in fact. Reach in the Lord. Reach in the Lord. Not poor in Him. Secondly, notice not only Hannah's submission to God's will here, but notice how she was specific in her prayer. A man child, she prayed. A boy. Now, Cherry and I prayed for years for a boy. But the Lord in His wisdom did not grant our prayers. He gave us three daughters who we dearly love. Now I'm not rich and the way I'm going, I won't be in a position to leave an inheritance for my children. But I testify to you, I'm rich beyond compare. So rich beyond compare. Because of my daughters. And Cherry and I, even though we were not given any sons, we are richer today than we were because of my sons-in-law that were given to us. To know that my daughters will be cared for and loved for. To know that there is a posterity. To know that the children will be nurtured in, uh, in admonition of the Lord. I am richer today because I have children. And I am not poor and will never ever say poor. The blessings not only through my sons-in-law but in my grandchildren uh, indeed is multiplied and multiplying. Oh, the fruit of the womb is his reward. Hannah had her priorities uh, right. Secondly, she had her perception right too. Still here in verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul. Uh, but you see, beloved, uh, that bitterness it did not turn her into a perverted woman. Her bitterness turned into prayer to the Lord. Her anguish, her total anguish turned her to the great God. You see, Hannah prayed for Samuel before he was even born. Not after she was conceived, but before Samuel was born. After she prayed, she went home. The inspired Bible said her countenance was no more sad. Uh, uh, 
Her countenance was no more sad. Uh, She was barren. She knew that. As she was in bitterness of soul, she prayed and she submitted herself to the will of God. Uh, Rather than being bitter, like I said, against God because she was barren. Speaking of barrenness, let me just encourage you for a moment. Think of the many women in the Bible who were barren and yet God in His wisdom and in His grace gave them a child. Think of Sarah who was barren until she was 90 years old and bore Isaac uh, who is to be the promised child where all nations will be blessed through him. Think of uh, what about Baron Rachel, uh, who eventually bore Joseph, whom God used to save his people from famine. His brothers meant evil, but God allowed him to be born for good, for their good even. Think of Ruth, who was barren and yet bore Obed uh, into this world. Uh, For those of you who do not know who Obed he is, he is the grandfather of King David where the earthly lineage of Christ came from. What about Elizabeth who was barren until John the Baptist was born? The forerunner of Christ. The Lord Jesus himself declared him to be among them that are born of women. There hath not risen greater than John the Baptist. And here we are faced with Hannah who prayed, Lord, please give me a man child so I can in turn, so I can in turn give him back to you. Uh, all the days of his life. Oh, what a prayer. Can you see a missionary mother in Hannah? She did not pray for herself. She prayed for a son that she will then give back to the Lord to serve the Lord. And so I say how wrong our priorities are sometimes. How wrong our perceptions and our prayers are sometimes when we are wanting a child from God. Beloved, we do not ask for a child for our self-satisfaction, but for our self-sacrifice unto the Lord. Which leads me to our third point this morning. Purpose. Purpose. I know I'm treading on a very sensitive subject here, but could it be that perhaps the Lord has not given you a child because you have the wrong purpose? The wrong purpose in your heart. Could it be that if God gives you a child, that that child will become a hindrance, that child will become an idol between you and God and your relationship and your commitment to Him? Could it be that that child will be in the way? And rather than uh, this child being an image of God in you, becomes an idol. Verse 11. And she vowed a bow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid. Remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man shall. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, 
and there shall no razor come upon his head. No razor, what does that mean? We have to go back to the old covenant. That means to be a Nazarite. Samuel was going to be a Nazarite. He was going to be reared and is to be raised to be a Nazarite. Turn to uh, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6 in the Old Covenant. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 6 uh, here in uh, uh, verse 5. Number 6, verse 5. All the days of the vow, his separation, uh, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled, in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. Come down to verse 6. All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord. And then in verse 7. He shall not make himself unclean. And then verse 8. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. Hannah's prayer, Hannah's purpose was to be given a child in order for her to give him back to the Lord for his service. A holy child, a separated unto the Lord child. Now I know we have all prayed. And are praying for our children. But can I ask you, moms? Can I ask you, dads? What are you praying for your children? To be a doctor? A lawyer? A dentist? Somebody who will be healthy, wealthy, and famous? Oh, I hope that God would grant you the desires of your heart for your children. I do. But is all that you want for your children? To be successful in this world that is but temporal? You see, that one of the tragedies of our day, I believe that there are less and less parents praying for their children to become pastors or missionaries. They feel that their child, if their child was to go into ministry, it will be a waste of a life. They could do better than the ministry. They can do something rather than be in the service of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They would rather have their children serve the fallible rather than the infallible God. They would rather have their children fish for dollars and cents rather than fish for men for God's glory. They would rather invest their children's talents and abilities to the furtherance of a company rather than the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church. What a tragedy that is. Now turn towards the end of your Bible, this time in 3 John chapter 4. 3 John chapter 4. 
3 John chapter 4. Verse 4, I should say. Here is a prayer. Is this your prayer for your child? Is this your purpose for your child? Sherry and I, earlier on in our marriage, determined that this will be one of our prayers. And should the Lord give us the opportunity that he, and now she, here in verse 4, we say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Is that your prayer? Is that your purpose? Is that your desire for your children? And what about the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter 3, if you, might, if you will please. Ephesians chapter 3, this is Paul's prayer to the church. But by application, every father and mother can have this prayer as well. Ephesians chapter 3, here in verse 14 uh, for this cause I'll bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant Fiona, Bianca, and Veronica and their loved ones according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, that they, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that they ask or think, according to the power that worketh in them, unto him be glory in them and their families by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Once again, is that your prayer? Is that your desire for your children? Now listen, and listen well. I do not propose for one moment that every child should be a pastor or a missionary. I do not advocate that all you will uh, do is to, uh, uh, to judge those that are not uh, children of ministries. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, but dear beloved, would you? Would you desire? Would you pray? That if God so will, will call your children and that they will be obedient to the gospel ministry in this day and indeed in this time. Now, our beloved, I understand too that none of us can make our children serve God if they don't like it. We cannot force them. You see, Pastor, many a times uh, have, have, uh, have told me, my children, I pray for them. I do this, that, and the other uh, for them. But whatever I'm doing, it doesn't seem to work. Oh, my dear ones, listen. Yes, we have our own goals. We have our own purposes. We have our own desires for them. But you see, beloved, there is a difference between our goals and our desires and their own goals and desires as children. You see, we can only set a goal for ourselves, uh, though we may have desires for others, and yes, even our children, they are not necessarily one and the same. You see, part of the problem is, though, 
Uh, and perhaps you go, you're asking, where am I going in this? Uh, you and I, uh, you husbands and wives, and we and Cherry, we have all our goals for ourselves. That is to be godly parents before God as we ought to be. Our desire for our children is that they be godly themselves as they see godliness in us. Godliness in us. Part of the problem is, and you that are newly married, and you that are just about to get married, and you that are even married for years right now, part of the problem is, and and certainly this is not always the case, okay? But for many parents, they want their children to be faithful in the Lord, to be loyal in the local church. To be respectful of the pastor and the elders of the church. To be serving and committed in the church. That is their desire for their children. But on the same breath I say, and I say this in love, how can they, if we as parents are not living as we ought to be, in the godliness that God expects of us? How can they have the same desires and goals if the parents themselves are not faithful? If the parents themselves are not loyal to the local church? If they themselves are disrespectful of the pastor and the elders and the covenants of the church? And then they wonder why, why their own children are disrespectful of them. They are not committed in serving in the church, let alone going to church consistently. While it's true that we cannot force them, beloved, we can show them through our priorities, through our perceptions, through our prayers, and now as we close, through our persuasions. Persuasions. You're in Ephesians, back to our text here in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and in verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 1, now in verse 20, please. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And when Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow, Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. You see, mothers, whilst our children are an heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward, the Lord in his wisdom and in sovereign will, he did not give us a child that is saved. He did not give us a redeemed child. He gave us a child that is a sinner. He has called you and commissioned you to be a missionary and given you and your husband the responsibility to persuade that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just like Lois, just like Eunice were to Timothy. Though through your unfeigned, 
through your genuine faith in the Lord. You are to persuade. We are all to stir up the gift of God. That gift of salvation in Jesus Christ in our child. Somebody said, and I quote, Mothers are perhaps the most powerful and influential force on the face of the earth. End of quote. It's true. The father is the head of the home, but it is also true that the mothers perhaps are the most powerful and influential class of people upon the face of the planet. Verse 23, notice Elkanah here, the father, when he said, Do what seemeth good, tarry until thou hast weaned him. That means that until you have nursed him. This is what I want us to take notice of here, beloved. The only the Lord, Elkanah said, establish his word. Again, I'm treading on a sensitive topic here. Many of you moms do not take your child to church in the early days. For all sorts of reasons, and I understand that, and I respect those decisions, especially in these days of COVID uh, and virus and all of these things. I do, I get it, I understand. But can I lovingly admonish you this morning? In love, let me tell you that Hannah did not go to the temple because it's all too hard. She did not go to the temple because uh, it's too hard or because she was fearful. Uh, she did not go to the temple for any other reason. No, she did not go to take Samuel to the temple because she was weaning her. But more importantly, she was establishing the word in him. How so, pastor? Baby Samuel did not understand. He was just a babe. That's true. But you mothers can sing Jesus loves him for the Bible tells him so. Can you not? Uh, he could hear Hannah praying for him as she dedicated him back to the Lord. Samuel can sing, uh, can hear the songs, the sounds, the, the, and see uh, and smell the flowers, feel the heat of the sun, uh, and feel his mother's joy in him. The words God, the words Jesus, the words church, in their case, temple, uh, the word Bible, again, in their case, it's Torah, uh, the word grace, the word mercy are words that he must have often heard. First uh, Samuel's formative years, Hannah was there. It was no other but her. Yes, she wind him, but she also established him in the word. Now, why do I say this? Notice verse 24. And when she had wind him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour, a bottle of wine. And by the way, that wine is as a drink offering, okay? Not, that, that's not a wine for them to get intoxicated and everything like that. And brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. I don't have time to detail what the drink offering is at this time. Uh, you can study that for yourself. But so here we find... Uh, that Hannah eventually uh, brought Samuel to the temple. Did you notice that? But by the time Hannah went to the temple with Elkanah, her husband, Samuel was no longer a baby, but a young child. In verse 24. Now don't misinterpret this passage. We are not in the Old Testament here, and your child is not Samuel. 
In the New Testament, we find the Lord Jesus himself saying, suffer, lit, suffer not the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Hannah's case is not a license not to bring your babies or your child to church. I don't have time to detail this, but according to babycenter.com, babies start learning even before they're born. They can recognize the voice of their mother. From being newborn to one month, they spend their waking hours to take in the world around them. From two to three months, babies soak up everything in their environment. And their favorite activity is watching what goes on around them. From four to seven months, they will recognize their name. While they don't understand what you're saying, they'll start to babble. Uh, and have conversations with you and the people around them. From 8 to 12 months, they will recognize simple and short commands. They start to understand the meaning of the word no. Uh, from 13 months onwards, listen, this is when they start leaping into learning from the people, from the environment around them. And so moms, you wonder why your child is having a hard time in church and others around them. Is it because they're not used to being in church? They are unfamiliar to the sounds. They are unfamiliar to the sights. They are unfamiliar to the smell of the church. They are not used to being in church. And the more you delay that, the harder it becomes for the child and for you as a parent. the harder it gets to sit them still and be comfortable in being in church with the saints in the church. If in their formative years the church and the Christians in it are foreign to your child, and if their first exposure to this world outside of your home is the daycare, why would you expect them to fit in church when it is totally foreign to them? I say it again, you mothers have the powerful influence of your child. You are the best missionary that that child will ever meet. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it to my angel mother. George H.W. Bush said, I want to tell you my mother was the godliest person I've ever known. Augustine that renegade boy, before he was a believer and a theologian, was prayed for earnestly by his mother, Monica. John and Charles Wesley, whose mother's name was Susanna, were raised as godly children. Billy Graham had a lot to say about his godly mother. Oh, the power of the mother. The power and the influence of a mother's priority. The mother's perception the mother's prayer, and indeed the mother's persuasion. Would you be a missionary mother today? Oh, I tell you, the world needs it. The world is hungry and crying for godly mothers. Look around you, beloved, and the society that we're living in. Where are the missionary mothers? Oh, Calvary Baptist Church mothers, we love you. We appreciate you. But would you be a missionary mother today. In closing, let me say this though. 
You cannot be a missionary mother if you yourself is a mission field. You have to know the Savior. You need to be pardoned of your sin. You need to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You that are watching me right now, you that are hearing me right now and in the days coming, even after that I'm six feet under, you need Jesus Christ to become the mother that you ought to be. Perhaps you have godly desires for your children, beloved. Perhaps you have your own purposes. But can I ask you, would you purpose for yourself to be godly as well? You want your children to be faithful in church, to be faithful to the Lord, and indeed His church. Well, are you? Would you be faithful? You desire for your child to read his Bible. Do you? You desire for your child to pray without ceasing. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you and see you pray for them. You desire for your children to be knowledgeable in the Bible. Again I ask, do you spend time with the Bible? Oh, mothers, don't get me wrong. I'm not having a go. I hope you can see that. In fact, I'm saying, and I've said what I said, because I love you. And I want to encourage you that in these dark days, beloved, I want to ask you to examine your priorities, to examine your prayer life. To examine your purposes for your children. I would to God that you will be more persuasive than you ever were. To become a missionary mother in your own homes. And lastly, perhaps you are here and you're running out of steam. Pastor, I'm so tired. All these years. My children are not walking in the Lord. I don't know what to do. I'm at my tether's end about my children. Oh, I hear you. I ache for you. I cannot encourage you more than I'm able to do. The Lord is not dumb. He doesn't sit in his holy throne uncaring and unloving of you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the pain. He hears your prayers. Oh, but beloved, he has a purpose. And again, I don't know what that is. Don't you give up on God. Because he won't give up on you. It may be painful. It may be difficult. It may be all that you are ever feeling. I'm not living with you. I'm not the one hearing what your children are saying to you. I'm not the one experiencing the tantrums and all the difficulties at home. But I know my God cares. So whatever your cares are, would you give that to the Lord today? Whatever hurt you have, 
Whatever difficulty you have, give it to him, for he careth for you. There is no other time that is more urgent than now for missionary mothers in our society and indeed the world. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you that we can, as a group of believers, be challenged from your word, but at the same time be comforted for it. Help us to go against the grain of the society that we live in, where children are no longer desired, where motherhood is no longer a priority, where babies are murdered into mother's womb where the roles of the fathers and the mothers are confused, when children are seen to be a burden, a hindrance, and a cost. Oh, I pray, Father, that we here at Calvary Baptist Church would not join the political correctness and the wokeness of our day, that we would stand for the truth, that indeed we would be like Hannah, that we would pray for a child, that we can then in turn give back to be a self-sacrifice for you and for your glory. Once again, I thank you for these mothers and grandmothers before me, for the blessing that they are, and just who they are. And Lord, for the burdens that they're carrying right now, I pray that your will and way be accomplished in them. Encourage us today as we go in our separate ways from this place, perhaps having Mother's Day lunches and all. May we not forget this woman called Hannah who lived at a time that is difficult and yet determined in her soul to bear a child for the Lord. I ask if there's anyone here this morning that do not know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, may today be the day of their salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.